second talk on um, um medicine and disease subdue each other. Well, it's nice to see everyone. Just take a look and see who's all here online. It's a holiday and we got 53 people. That's great. So Dharma is more important than going to the beach or wherever. <laughs> okay, first I'd like to say that um, uh, I'm so grateful, you know, coming here this morning, it's just like everybody was just bouncing with energy, uh, setting up for the dinner tonight and, um, um, you know, take so much effort to do this um, as a, you know, all volunteer organization or uh, Zendo. Um, and especially like to thank uh, Hosan and um, and um, uh, Susan Marvin for coordinating a lot of this and the work leaders and my wife for helping me with this talk. Um, I struggled with it um, as usual, uh, more so than the first one too. Um, so I, I want to title it, uh, you know, in, in trying to get a, 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 a a single focus, I'm going to title it um, the second circle, what is the self? So the third circle will be um, medicine and disease. No, I'm sorry. Um, the whole earth is medicine. Um, so the main I'll, I'll read the main the main case uh, first. Uh, Unman teaching his community said medicine and disease subdue each other. The whole earth is medicine. What is yourself? Um, in the middle of the circle is the self, uh, a capital S or big self, not the small self caught in the middle of this and that and confusion, but one who's, who is open to the changing flow of life not the not a me 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 view more of an inclusive us wide in scope and not clinging my dharma name is enzan chotoku or round mountain clear genuine uh, the mountain has an unclear endpoints at the base but it reaches up and tries to see clearly Unman's words. Like, like the latter part of my name, clear, genuine, so there is a kind of circular process embedded in the two names, each interacting and enriching the other. Throughout, <clears throat> throughout this talk, I'll bring some commentary and uh, some outside readings to try and uh, support and illuminate uh, what is yourself. It can be confusing when reading commentary as to who is speaking. There are sometimes questions and responses within them. So I'll try to clearly identify the speaker, including <clears throat> when I am commenting. So what is yourself? Unman may be looking for us to stay open, as Engo, who compiled the Blue Cliff record, aptly describes a bodhisattva, albeit um, an idealized version. And Engo's pointer, so I'm reading from the, um, the koan itself. Um, a clear-eyed fellow has no nest 
Sometimes on the summit of a solitary peak, weeds grow in profusion. Sometimes he's naked and free in the bustling marketplace. Suddenly he appears as an angry titan with three heads and six arms. Suddenly as a sun-faced, moon-faced Buddha, he releases the light of all-embracing mercy. In a single atom, he manifests all physical forms. To save people, according to their type, he mixes with mud and water. If suddenly he releases an opening upward, not even the Buddha eye could see him. Even a thousand sages, even if a thousand sages appeared, they too would have to fall back 3,000 miles. Is anyone with the same attainment and same realization? To test, I cite this to see. That's a mouthful. My comments on it are, um, um, what I, I feel it means is no nest or maybe no real home or, or what he means is no nest or by no nest is no real home or um, or at home wherever he finds himself. I'm going to put my glasses on. <laughs> he could show up in the marketplace, but he is hard to distinguish being ordinary, not pushing his understanding. When he says an angry titan with three heads and six arms or sun-faced, moon-faced Buddha, this is Nada, the uh, guardian deity of Buddhist lore. In prepping for my talk, my wife, Emily, she didn't understand the need for a fantastical monster. I told her I keep mine in the closet. <laughs> And Go is just showing that skillful means can include a full range of manifestations from demons to heavenly beings. When he says he mixes with mud and water, points to the classic adage, the uh, lotus flower blooming in the muck of mud and water. Also, the water is a metaphor of flowing nicely around and through obstacles or hindrances. All this describes character traits that blend nicely with the environment and people he finds to help. I'll switch to um, Engo, Engo's com another, com another comment by Engo. Right now, the whole earth is a profuse array of myriad forms up to and including one's own self. At once, it's medicine. At such time, what will you call yourself? If you only call it medicine, even by the time Maitreya Buddha is born down here, you still won't have seen Unman even in dreams. Ultimately, how is it? Perceive the meaning in the hook. Don't stick to the zero point of the scale. So my comment here is, um, he's pointing out not to cling to one side when he says, don't stick to the zero point like emptiness. To having only one view of things or attached to just this and not that or attaching to the absolute versus the relative. The main point is to be flexible and don't stay up in your ego's nest where there are no sentient beings come down to earth. Mr. Shusso, know that in two weeks you'll be back facing the wall and not sitting facing outward. But for now, he faces outward. I found this other reading uh, just by accident. I wasn't really looking for it, but um, it's from Darlene Cohen, um, Finding Joyful Life in the Heart of Pain. Darlene's no longer with us, but she was uh, pretty instrumental in helping people. 
um, find kind of a practice through their pain, their suffering of pain. I don't know if that's a good description, but it's kind of what I felt from reading this. A woman who was in a wheelchair with a diagnosis of severe arthritis of the hips and spine came to me to learn how to spend time out of the wheelchair to walk around her house. I taught her many stretching and strengthening exercises so that her weak body could begin to support itself. For a long time, she did exercises like medicine, like taking medicine. She didn't actually live through them. I could tell that her uninspired question, uh, I could tell by her uninspired questions how many of each exercise she could do and what others should she do with, she do them in. Then one session, she greeted me with a big grin. She said with real delight in her voice, I found out everything that happens to me is information about my body. Hurting or getting tired or not feeling like exercising, I'm noticing everything. I knew she had gone from mechanical movement into the timeless realm of sensation itself. The whole universe was her medicine. We've heard that, huh? So it's true that you can use meditation practice to achieve your health goals. You may even get rid of your disease or injury. But if we practice paying attention to our bodies, mainly to get rid of our suffering or to restore our ailing body to function, rather than, the, than to express our life and our nature, it is very narrow and a vulnerable achievement. Just as a clay Buddha cannot go through water, a wooden Buddha cannot go through the fire, through a fire. A goal-oriented practice cannot permeate deeply enough. We must penetrate our anguish and pain so thoroughly that illness and health lose their distinction, allowing us to live our lives. Our relief from pain and our healing have to be given up again and again to set us free of the desire to be well. Otherwise, getting well is just another hindrance to us, another robber of time we have to live, another idea enslaving us like any other achievement. Fortunately, for our ultimate freedom, Reoccurring illness is like a villain stomping on our fingertips as we cling desperately to our health, healthy functioning bodies. Healing ourselves is like living, healing ourselves is like living our lives. It is not a preparation for anything else, nor a journey to another situation called wellness. It is its own self. It has its own value. It is each thing as it is. We live our lives to express our own sincerity, our own nature. That was a lot. I'm sorry if it's a little bit much. Um, my comments here is I ask, where do we start and where do we end? Yet you brush your teeth and make your bed. The absolute and the relative. Darlene is pointing out the mechanical versus moment by moment of life and experiences. No gaining idea in practice and in life, seeing it at all as a big self. So what is yourself? Circling back, I can think of being more genuine and honest with my moment by moment experiences and not just checking off things as done. I feel the expectations I have of healing from disease is what causes me the most suffering within me, sometimes called the second arrow. I cling to the I cling to views of myself and get lost in the sadness of what I view as no change. But there is change, but not what I want and not at the place at the pace I expect. Seeing the big self as greater than what I expect is an ongoing process of self-opening and self-discovery. 
This is, a, again, Engo's comment, um, which he, you know, he's also, he, he's commenting on uh, um, Secho also. Um, I don't make a carriage behind closed doors. The road through is naturally quiet and empty. Secho speaks to opening up the road for you. If you build your carriage behind closed doors and you bring it out of the gate and it fits the ruts, what has this accomplished? I'm not building the carriage behind closed doors. When I go out the door, naturally it's empty and it's quiet and empty. Here Secho reveals a slight crack to let us see people, to let people see, <laughs> see people. <laughs> Um, my comment here is um, I see the cart behind closed doors is pointing out that in the boundless emptiness, we don't need measurements, i.e. the cart of a specific width to fit in the grooves of the road. We don't even need a cart to travel that road. There are no there are no measurements and few, if any, rules. Secho is giving us a view of emptiness. So I think, what is your self round mountain? Self-absorbed versus, self uh, versus an opening self? Take a little pause here for a drink. I want my old self, when that is past, Accepting right here, right now, a new normal. Can you teach yourself this? I am a moving target that wants to be still. Stop time, go back. I feel stuck in the process of recovery from disease, looking for improvement and dealing with the fatigue of disease and age. Yet knowing the coo, coo of the morning dove is there patiently waiting for me. How do you give in to the present and let the past go? I have, uh, I have two nieces who are very young and close in age. They love when you engage with them. I started playing the game red light, green light with them. You may know this one, but basically I say green light and they start to run. Then I say red light and they stop in their tracks over and over again, red light, green light. They love this game and laugh heartily when I stop them with a red light. Something so simple and yet they completely let go of themselves in it. Maybe there's something there. another reading I thought you know I read this poem once before in the um, skit night but I think it it really um, points to me in a lot of ways um, it's it's by Richard Hugo and it's called second chances I can't let go of it the picture I keep of myself in ruin living alone like some wretched in some wretched town where friendship is based on just being around. And I drink there a lot, stare at the walls until the buzzing of flies become the silence I drowned in. Outside, children badmouth my life with song. Their parents told them to sing. One showers my roof with stones, knowing I'm afraid to step out and tell him to stop. Another yells, you can't get a woman, old man. You don't get a thing. My wife, a beautiful woman, is fixing lunch. She doesn't know I dream these things. She thinks I'm fine. People respect me. Oh, she knows all right. I've seen grim times. But these days, my poems appear everywhere. Fan mail comes. I fly east on a profitable reading tour. Once in a while, a young girl offers herself. My wife knows that too. And she knows my happiness with her is more than I ever expected. 
three years ago, I wouldn't have given a dime for my chances at life. What she doesn't know is now and then a vagabond comes knocking on the door. I go answer and he says, come back, baby, you'll find a million poems in your destitute soul. And I say, go away, don't ever come back. But I watch him walk always downhill, downhill towards the schoolyard where the children are playing ghost, a game where, according to the rules, you take another child's name in your mind and pretend you're you while others guess your new name. So what struck me was um, playing ghost, a game where according to the rules, you take another child's name in your mind, but pretend you're you while others guess your new name. Don't we all do this taking an identity like Chousseau while underneath I'm just my, I'm just all my warts, my, uh, I'm just all warts and all kind of role or clinging, wanting the past to become the future out of steps of sorts. Uh, the this is the, from the translator's commentary. When Tai Mei was about, uh, about to die, he said, coming is nothing, there is nothing to look at. Going, there is nothing to pursue. Happening to hear the cry of a squirrel, he said, it's just this thing, not anything else. Keep it well, I'm going to go. Later, Secho said of this, this fellow is, a, is sloppy in life and fat-headed in death. That's actually complimenting him, by the way. <laughs> I find this out. Um, just this thing, nothing else. What thing is this? Is there anything to impart or not? Some people do not know how to cut off Tai Mei's footsteps and merely say that he was too much in a too much of a hurry to be on his way. Still hurry, still hurrying on, Secho then said, wrong, wrong. Both Unman's former statement and his latter statements are wrong. Who would know that? Secho, opening up the road is also wrong. Since your, nostril, since your nostrils are high as the sky, why do they get pierced anyway? Do you want to understand? Then immerse yourself in this for 30 years. If you have a staff, I'll give you a staff. If you have no staff, I won't avoid having your you won't you won't avoid having your nostrils pierced by others. So my comment for this is, it's kind of a complicated and esoteric uh, commentary. Um, just the cry of the squirrel, just this moment. Be careful in pointing your nostrils upward, upward to getting too puffed up. You may be being led like an ox. If you have a staff, I can support you in your teaching. In other words, if you truly understand, I'll support you. I'm still on the fence about that interpretation and welcome others' comments. So where are we? Nurturing our genuine self in an aimless, wishless manner trying to open up again and again to the carriageless road of emptiness or boundlessness, but not getting stuck there. I kind of bolted this last thing on thinking it might be good to close with Suzuki Roshi um, in Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind on Control. He says, when we become truly ourselves." We just become a swinging door and we are pure, purely independent of and at the same time dependent upon everything. Without air, we cannot breathe. Each one of us is in the midst of a myriad worlds, myriad worlds. 
we are the center of the world always, moment after moment. So we are completely dependent and independent. If you have this kind of experience, this kind of existence, you have absolute independence. You are not, you, you will not be bothered by anything. So when you practice Zazen, your mind should be concentrated on your breathing. Just this kind of in, just this kind of activity is the fundamental activity of universal being. Without this experience, this practice, it is impossible to attain absolute freedom. That's all I have. Kind of dense, but uh, we have a lot of time for questions. And um, so if you have a question, let's raise your digital hand or raise your hand. Okay, yes. Hi. Thank you, Gary. Sure. Hi, Dean. Um, this is a two-part two-part question or answer. The first part is if you could simplify what you talked about today down into one sentence of what your talk today um, brings to you or means to you, that would be the first part. And then the second part would be how does that meaning, that sort of one sentence simple meaning, how does that support you in this very moment? Okay. Yeah, that's, that, those are, that's good and hard question. Um, well, simplifying it would be um, you know, I, 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 I feel like the koan is asking us um, uh, in disease or illness to not, not focus completely on illness and to let go and to, to see it as um, just part of life, moving through life. And so in simplification, it's just um, not clinging to any, anything. But, you know, as Darlene was saying about her, her teaching to this uh, woman in a wheelchair, to still be with each moment as you go through it. So that, that would be in response to simplification. And then um, the second part was, I forget, I forgot it already, sorry. What was the second question? Simplify the teaching and then, and then. Uh, how does it help you in this? How does that understanding, that simple understanding, oh, I see. how does it help you in this very moment right now? How does it support you in this very moment right now? Well, it got me in the Zendo. You know, I didn't want to come in. I didn't want to do this talk. So I was more nervous about this, I think, than the second, the first one, because, you know, I was dealing, the first one I, I had spoke more through myself, and this one I spoke a lot through the, the koan itself, and then tried to annotate or comment on it. So, um, yeah, it helps me, um, you know, through my day moment by moment. Is that good? Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to ask you. Oh, um, thank you. You made a distinction between uh, yourself as you sew and yourself as a person who has ordinary Difficulty, something, something like that. Is that is that correct? Correct. Right. So, uh, what I'm asking is, um, 
where is this Rousseau? And is there a difference? Well, this Rousseau is right here. And the difference is in my mind. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't really exist. I don't see a difference. And one thing I would say is, you know, it's like when you take a position, you can't just set it aside. You know, it has to be, I think part of the process of the practice period is actually the integration of that, of a new, uh, no manifestation. That, that's what, that's what I see you doing. So be careful about discriminating between the shoes. So yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Yoni. You mentioned um, your nieces play, playing uh, red light, green light, your mm -hmm. nieces, you mentioned children playing the game of ghosts. And then I think you mentioned how being Trousseau was also like a game of ghosts. Is that, is that uh, maybe I'm mad, maybe I just made that connection. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you felt there was a sense of play to your role as Trousseau. And then if you ever get the sense that there's a sense of play to practice in general. Hmm. That's a good question. I, uh, well, they're all good questions, but um, I think there, I think there is. Yeah, I think um, there's a there's a real seriousness within me about being Shuso, wanting to live up to expectations that either I've better in my mind in a way. Um, Sojin was really good at making levity of, of things that people took or I took as very serious. And he would always point it out and we would laugh about it. And that was a, a great, uh, great thing. Um, yeah, I think I think it's important to also see it as play. And I, I I remember when I first came to the Zendo, you know, I played basketball. I talked about that in my Way Seeking Mind talk and that. And I just, you know, in basketball, you go out on the floor and it's the floor, like this big floor, wide open space with the kind of boards that are in here in our floor. And it just excited me. I felt at home with the spaciousness and the floor. So yeah, in some ways it is kind of like, I feel, and, and you know, all the, all the forms are, um, you can get stuck on wanting to do them perfect, but it, they're all just kind of like, um, Kind of, kind of magical, kind of like you want to just do them, do them right, and and you feel good with doing a good sh a show. So yeah, I, I find that as kind of a play, playing. I don't know if that really answers. I am not feeling like I can answer that so well. That question, but I'll think about it more. And we we're going to meet this week, <laughs> next week. Gary Artem. See if there's uh, any online questions. Yeah, Ed Herzog has a question. Hey, no Gary. Hi. Um, oh, yeah, I got two hands. Now, wait. Um, hi. Ed, why don't you go ahead? Okay. Um, first, I want to. I can't hear you. Are you muted? No. I'm not muted. Can you hear me now? I can't hear you. 
Okay, I'm not I'm not muted. There we go. Try again. Try now, Ed. Are you okay now? Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I just first of all, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your openness and accessibility. And um, I really appreciate that. And thank you. my question is, is that um, often uh, it helps me to see zazen as med as my medicine. It helps me um, to get up in the morning and to sit. You know, if I, I look at that and. Um, and although it's, you know, I know it's goal oriented and all that, but it's still, it's still, a, um, it helps me. And I'm just wondering, um, you said, uh, looking at the whole world as medicine. And I'm, I was wondering if you would say something about that. Sure. Um, I have nothing to, to back it yet, but I kind of feel that uh, Unman is pointing at uh, uh, a non-dual way of looking at um, at life, calling it medicine. You know, because Sojin always said that, you know, there's, there's birth and death within a bigger thing we call life. And um, you know, like in my case, um, the, the the you know seeing seeing things through my mind more than in rea in 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 real life is kind of like not is is kind of the medicine I'm getting. Or not medicine, but it's the disease that I need to somehow rise beyond, or or I don't know if you rise beyond, but see it, see into it. So there's kind of a so even in disease, there there's this um, medicine sitting out there. I don't know if that helps. It does kind of, kind of seeing life as medicine. Right. Also. Right. Yeah. So maybe you've kind of answered it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Susan. Um, you know the thing about a round mountain, like mm. when you're out walking as opposed to like a mountain that has a peak, is it's really easy to um, go for the peak and not, not really see what's around when you're walking up that mountain because you're so excited about getting to the top where there's gonna be this great view. But actually like when you're walking on a round mountain because you think it's possibly think it's boring or it's just what it is, you, you have the time to kind of notice more along the way or that's kind of my experience on those kind of mountains there's nothing like you're walking towards right mm -hmm. and so I, I was wondering so that's your name round mountain how your relationship to your your name is evolving or changing right now as you study this koan Well, you know, the first talk I, right before the talk, I came up, or the idea of a circle came to mind. So, um, you know, round mountain is kind of circular, right? So, um, when I was given my Dharma name, I thought, whoa, mountain, big, strong, right? But now, I think it's changed in that I'm I'm seeing it as I'm not big and strong so much as I'm uh, 
circling around various things that are happening to me and I'm, I'm learning from that. So it's, it's less of a, uh, a strength thing and more of a understanding and, and experiencing, um, uh, things that I can learn from. Does that make sense? Yeah. But you know, it seems like that's also big and strong. Like, yeah, I guess you're right. That's kind of an irony too, because you know, you know, big and strong doesn't mean brute, a brute, or somebody who's immovable. Yeah, more somebody who's maybe soft and but yet has has um, resilience. Well, that's well, you. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, I think that Joe, you want to say something or ask your question? Yeah, mor morning, Gary. Um, it's sort of a technical question, but maybe it'll still be helpful. Today, you talked about what is yourself, and your next talk is planning the whole world as medicine. But the phrase was flipped, right? Usually it's the whole world as medicine, what is yourself? So I was wondering why you started with the latter part and not started with the world as medicine for the second talk? Well, believe it or not, I thought the, that what is the self would be easier. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it wasn't easier and it was like, um, you know, I could tell from my audience here that people were a little confused or baffled. Um, it's interesting, you know, one thing that's interesting about the Cleary's translation, he, he says, um, medicine and disease subdue each other, colon, it's not semicolon, it's colon, um, the whole earth is medicine, semicolon, then he says, what is the self? So it's almost like the first and second phrase are, are he's combining those, but then he turns around and he says, what is the self? Um, I don't know if that says anything at all about your question. Um, but it does say something about, you know, where he's pointing is, is um, where he's taking his sangha, you know, when he says that. Um, um, yeah, that was the main reason is that I thought it would be, when I read the koan and I read the commentary, which I wanted to bring into this talk, a lot of the commentary, which I think I did, um, I thought he, it, it addressed a lot about self. And that was the main reason that I, and I thought where the whole, the whole, whole earth is medicine. He doesn't say a lot about it directly, which I think I'm going to have to really mine somehow. Does that help? Thanks, Gary. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Oh, Mary. I just want to thank you. Um, you have forever changed my experience of the Zendo by comparing it to a basketball court. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, 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 I just want to play a little bit with that metaphor because I'm so entranced with the warriors and how fluid and intuitive they are and how much the forms that we use are reflect those same qualities. You, um, I missed the first. What is fluid and and? Uh... What is the the warriors? Basketball players. The warriors, the warriors. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Is there a question in there though? No. No, I was just playing with a metaphor. I see. Of our forms as a basketball team. Okay, yeah. 
Yeah, they move. They're um, they're interesting to watch because, like no other team, they're all moving without the ball all the time. All the time. Okay. Where if you watch the other teams, they're um, a lot of times they just give the ball to one person and their star their star player, and the other guys all just stand still. So there's a constant give and take with yeah. Hey, Cole, go ahead. Um, in the last sentence of your talk, you said the phrase absolute freedom. Yeah. And I think it also included the, could you read it again, uh, the word achieved? And my question is who encounters absolute freedom? Okay. Um, you know, that's Suzuki Roshi saying, um, and it's interesting, I looked at Mary and I, I, th I think I did when I said that, because in my way seeking mind talk, I think I said that you can't really achieve it all the time or something, something to that effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he says, um, I'm trying to see it. Yeah, your mind should be concentrated on your breathing. This kind of activity is a fundamental activity to a universal being. Without this experience, this practice, it is impossible to attain absolute freedom. That's the one you said. And you're saying, who achieves that? Well, I think we we do. You know, when we um, are the swinging door of breathing in and out and just letting not being caught by the mind or um, particular circumstances, not being overly caught. Not that you shouldn't pay attention to it, though. Not that you shouldn't uh, sometimes act around it, but um, yeah. To be difficult, uh, who is experiencing the open door? What is the who there? That I don't know. It's a, it's it's a moment by moment me or you. Linda Hess has a question. And maybe the last question. Hi, Gary. Hi. I, I was inspired by um, your bringing basketball onto the floor of the Zendo, too. Um, so it made me think this is just a comment. You know, the Warriors, the Warriors really play a great game of basketball. And I think they have fun, you know, besides being serious. But last week, Steve. Kerr, Steve Kerr turned into a, not Steve, Stephen Kerr, um, sorry, who's the coach of the bat of the Warriors? Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, right. Um, he turned into an angry Titan with three heads and six arms last week. And uh, boy, was that a great moment in the game. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I don't think there's a question in there. I just wanted to bring that into the conversation. Uh -huh. Maybe you can think of a question out of that. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, when I, uh, I read over the talk several times and to my wife and um, when the, the, the massacre that happened this, this week, came about, I, I started to feel bad about it because, you know, I had children in it and they, this, this awful thing that happened. And um, I felt like, should I take all that out? And then I thought, no, I'm not going to take it out. Um, it's a very sad thing. Crazy. I like what Kerr said. I mean, he was pretty vocal about um, 
something has to change. To me, he, he showed how that play and that angry titan can instantly transform into each other in a beneficial way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's all. I'm done. Yeah. I should have talked about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> you did. <laughs> Maybe we should end. Yeah. Okay. Thank you all for coming. Beings are numberless, I vow to awaken with them. Delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them. Dharma beings are boundless, I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. Thank you.